All right. Um, I, for the last probably three days, which is about the time we've been without power, so maybe it's a sign. We finally got power last night. Woo! Who, does anybody still, yeah, I know, thank you. We can applaud for that for sure. Does anybody still not have power in here? Everybody have power? Cool. Awesome. Man, there were tons of, of teams that were like from North Carolina and different places that were in our area that were like knocking it out like crazy. We were very appreciative of them. Um, and I'm glad you guys have power too. It's really nice. Uh, uh, but the last three days I've been like at night been kind of heavy and then um, waking up early, usually because of acid reflux or something. But while I'm up, I go ahead and start praying. And, and what's been heavy on my heart lately is um, kind of ministry as a whole, how we do it and what that looks like. And, you know, I was kind of really floundering around searching for what, you know, what the future holds as far as how we need to do things in the future as far as ministry goes. And I've al- I always, you'll hear me say this all the time, I kind of reevaluate what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, part of what I think helped is with the, with the wedding, um, was it Neil and Jennifer was it, that came from California? Neil and Jennifer came. Um, and then we had discussions with several other people that didn't really know our history and was just, they were just asking about our church and, you know, the merge and before the merge and what happened and, you know, just the whole long history. And, and it just kind of brought up a lot of really good memories. There were some bad ones in there too, but it brought up a lot of really good memories of, of history um, that we've had. And it kind of reminded me of why we kind of got into this as far as being active in ministry. Um, when when Tracy and I first came to Deeper Life back in the day, we were going to another church, and um, Tracy was, was more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than I was. I was more uh, just headfirst going in one direction, not really thinking about what was going on or paying that close of attention to what the Holy Spirit was leading. So she knew like a year and a half before I did that it was time for us to leave and go somewhere else. And I didn't want to be, you know, jumping from church to church or doing this, you know, being you know, being flaky or anything like that. So I was really trying to hang on to that. Well, um, ultimately she was right. And, you know, the Lord began to speak really heavily, you know, really heavily on my heart to that we needed to go somewhere else. And many of you know the story. Bill was, Bill Starling was sitting Indian style in the middle of the road taking pictures because he was a photographer at the time. And I saw him. I was like, hey, there's Bill. He's sitting in the middle of the road. Um, so I stopped and talked to him. And we went and had lunch, spent like an hour and a half talking about where he had started going to deeper life. Uh, a few weeks before that, we had gone on a family uh, retreat or whatever, family reunion type thing. And uh, and I was really praying about what the Lord had for, for us as far as ministry goes. And I just remember being really excited about going outside the doors and reaching people outside the church. I, did, I had no idea what that looked like. I didn't know, like, what that was. I remember calling a few people and, like, I don't know what we're doing when we get back. We're going to, like, Walmart or something, and we're going to, like, set up a prayer tent. I don't know. I just know all the stuff that I've learned from the time that I was saved to now we talk about every Sunday and Wednesday, but we're not. I don't feel like we're doing anything, and it was it was it was it was good, but it was also frustrating because I was like, "What does what does that look like? What do we need to do?" And so we came back. Well, that conversation with Bill, he began to tell me about deeper life and how they're really big into servant evangelism. And if if some of you remember those days, servant servant evangelism was us going out and just loving people, just praying for people, and giving things away, and. Um, some of it was a little gimmicky and some of it wasn't, but all of it was really cool because we actually got to just meet different people in different walks of life, doing what they do every day, whether it was grocery shopping or, or doing whatever. And so it was, it felt very good. It felt like the church. It felt like we we're actually making an impact in people's lives, not just trying to get him, get people to us so that we can tell them what we want to tell them kind of thing. And it was what I needed in that season. 
right? And so we, we started doing that. I was excited, you know, first time we're there. Mark didn't even speak. They, he had like a series of other pastors there, but it was the people that really embraced us, same, same as what we feel here all the time, is that it was the love that we felt when we walked in the door. Um, and then on top of that, all the server evangelism just really struck me. And so I began to, uh, that season in my life was a season where up to that point I had not, you know, I really didn't necessarily pray out loud. And I didn't really reach out to people outside the doors of the church. I remember one pivotal moment in servant evangelism or really outreach in general was we were downtown. And we were giving little packs away to homeless people. And I remember talking to a homeless guy and he began to cry. And I don't know if you know this, but sometimes I get a little emotional. I began to cry a little bit. And, I, I, and you know, up to that point, I had a very different view of, of people that were on the street or homeless people. I, you know, because I grew up, you know, fairly poor and I felt like I had worked hard and made it. I thought that they should do the same thing. And I had this attitude like, get off your butt and do something, right? I'm just being honest. I just, I had that attitude towards people. And I, and I think that there, that there are different, different situations that people go through. Some are legitimate and some people do take advantage of people. That's fine. But what I learned in servant evangelism in general was it's not up to me to decide who gets loved and who doesn't get loved. Even if I disagree with the way that they're living their life, even if they are taking advantage of people and they are, you know, being bums or whatever and, and just doing that, it doesn't mean I don't have to be okay with it to love them, right? And so I found myself in a, in a precarious position where I had to let down my guard a little bit, and I, I remember hugging and praying for this guy, and it, it, it changed something in me. It broke something in me. It, it helped me to see people for people and not just as a check mark or an X, right? And up to that point, evangelism in general, or some of you know as soul winning or whatever it's called, it was just check marks. It was we got to go do this, we got to go do this, we got to go do this. But we really, I didn't have a, a real understanding of what we were even doing. I was just doing it because I thought that's what God wanted me to do, and I wanted him to be happy and not be mad at me. Um, but when I began to, to do servant evangelism or going out and, and loving people right where they were, it helped me align um, my heart with the Father's heart, right? It helped me see that people weren't my enemies. It helped me see that, that God loved people all different people from all different walks of life. Because what you find is when you walk out those doors, <laughs> you find lots of different people in lots of different areas and lots of different snapshots, snap, like I was talking about snapshots of their life. You find lots of different people in different, different positions in their life. The cool thing is when you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how can I pray for you? You get everything from I'm good, you know, no problem, whatever. Uh, my leg hurts, my arm hurts, I got a headache or leave me alone, you know, whatever. Or they will tell you their whole life, and they will fall apart right there. We were at a Jimmy Lowe's at the time. It was a fruit stand, and we met a woman there, and her daughter had just gotten her. This has been so long ago. I don't, I don't have no idea where she is now, but her daughter had just gotten arrested. She was raising two kids, that were her daughters. Um, there was lots of drugs going on or whatever, and she was just at the end of a rope, and we just happened to meet her in a parking lot at a fruit stand. And we were able to minister to her for like an hour, and just talk to her and pray for her. Um, we gave her, we were giving away stuff. I don't remember what it was, but that was part of what we did. We would just give stuff away to help, to help people realize that we weren't trying to get something from them. It's a common misconception with churches that um, that we're always trying to get money and get things from people. And so when you go outside the doors, one thing that we've always tried to do is when we minister, we want to give things away. And we don't want to try to raise money outside the doors. We try to do that inside. Now, what that looks like at the end of the day fluctuates all the time, but. We, we try to give a good, we want to give a good impression of the Father's heart with everything that we do, especially outside the doors of this church. So 
back then, that was a really cool thing for me to, to be able to experience that. Now, I knew that, I knew that was right because I had learned it for years. And the, the church that we were going to was a good church. It wasn't a bad church. The teaching was good. Um, I learned a lot. I, I was, you know, I was given an opportunity to minister to the youth for like four or five years. Um, and, and it was really good experience. But there were things that I learned intellectually that I knew that were true, but I was not really living out in my life because I didn't really know how that looked. Now, when we began to do this, it, it began to awaken something in me. It was exciting. It was a little scary, but it was exciting. It was neat. It was different. Um, I like that. That's, you know, part of, probably more part of my personality, too, is, you know, I like to do adventurous things. It's, I always talk about, you know, mostly fun, slightly terrifying. I like that stuff. I like to kind of be on the edge of, of, of something different. Well, fast forward this morning, I look at my memories, and it pops up that deuce and a half I was standing on the hood when me and Buddy went and test drove and ended up buying that, that deuce and a half. And it reminded me of a time when I remember seeing Buddy for the first time, probably that I'd ever seen Buddy super excited about ministry. Um, and it was, and since he's, since he's not here, I can talk about him. But, um, and he'll be back to give you better announcements that are much funnier than me uh, pretty soon. He's still on his honeymoon. They're actually going on an adventure this morning. They're doing like a, a side-by-side thing up in the mountains in Utah or something. It's pretty cool. Um, but I remember seeing something that I needed to see at the time, and I think that, that was really good for Buddy, was he started talking about this men's trip, this camping trip that we were doing, and something that had been on his heart, the Lord had placed on his heart, you know, years ago that he just kind of pushed back and ignored. And I remember um, being so excited when I saw that excitement in him about ministry, about, man, going out and, and, and you know, going out in the woods and camping and, you know, going doing adventurous things and, and, and doing this just a little bit different type of ministry that he really enjoyed and really liked. Um, and so I thought it was funny that all this is coming up at the same time I saw that memory pop up and that was one year ago that we started doing that and that camping trip was awesome we had like a monsoon it was crazy but it was a lot of fun Ben remembers that it was some, some crazy night sleeping in the truck because uh, the, the tent that I asked Buddy a thousand times does it leak and he was like no it doesn't leak and I woke up floating in it so, uh, so I was like alright don't trust Buddy with tents um, but, uh, but we had a huh it came with a shower. He didn't mention that, that it came with a shower. <laughs> that was funny because I was totally ill-prepared for that trip. Like, I just trusted everybody else to bring stuff. I was like, hey, you got an air mattress? Hey, you got something? I'm just bringing the Jeep, and then I broke it immediately. All right, so um, anyway, so all that to say that what's been stirring in me is how we do ministry, and we, I think that I, I always try to check that with other people, so I'll call a few people that I know. You know I'll call you know, some of you guys in here I call and talk to. And then I called Paul White because he's kind of part of our family, but he's kind of outside of our circle, and he sees things. He travels all over the country, and so I was able to, to talk to him yesterday. I called him yesterday morning. I was like, hey, man, am I going off the deep end? Do you need to reel me back in here? Is this, you know, is it me? Is it just me wanting to do stuff, or is this something corporately that I feel like, you know, because ultimately I want you guys to benefit from whatever direction this church goes because you guys are the church. Um, and so Paul immediately said, no, I, I just want to give you confirmation. You are saying what I'm hearing pastors all over the country say. And he said, it's, it's, it's because we're understanding New Covenant and it's new wine and it doesn't fit in old wineskins. And so I think what's been stirring in me is, you know, the traditions that we've made that we don't even think about that we do all the time. Um, I, I don't, what I don't want is just to do things to do them. Like, I don't want to just try to shake, shake things up to like, eh, get you guys or anything like that. I want to know that this is spirit-led. I want to know that the Holy Spirit is leading us in this, and I truly believe it is. Um, and I had a great, since I had such a great conversation with him, and he confirmed it, this is, this is where we're going. So um, what that means for you guys is Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights may look a little different. 
we, we don't know exactly how that looks. Be patient. Um, we're going to get together with some of the leadership and some of the elders and look, look at what that looks like and what we're doing as a church. Um, but, but what I do want to tell you is I'm really excited about it. Um, the ideas that I've already written down, I've asked a few other people to write down some ideas, and we're going to get together pretty soon and compare those and see if we're, if we're thinking of the same things. Um, but it's going to be more, uh, more, it's going to look more like what we see in Scripture as far as what the church does, what the early church did, what Jesus did on earth. And it's a very personal, personal, <laughs> personal and relational, very personal, it's about relationships. relationships. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very personal thing. I'm not going to give, uh, I probably, I, I don't want to promise. I'm probably not going to give you guys something to fill out to, to test your spiritual gifts or anything. But, but your, but your gift, your gifting is at the forefront of what we're talking about doing. I will tell you that you guys, y'all, y'all's gifting is at the forefront of this because my, my passion desire from the beginning is to, has been to empower the church and to empower you guys to do this. It's something that I loved about deeper life. When we first started coming and Mark would say, look, you can come to me and pray for you, but I want you guys to pray. I want you guys to pray for one another. I want you guys to do this stuff because what that does is it allows you to learn. It allows you to make mistakes, right? This is what this is what pastors in the past that when I went to church early on after I got saved were so afraid of. I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> I know that you're going to make mistakes. I did too, and it's okay. We have to do that. We have to do that so that we're actually living. Something that I loved. Oh man, whew, something I loved about the conversation we had with Neil and Jennifer was, he's you know he was talking about their church in California when they begin to they begin to discover life life in Christ, like Christ as life. You know, some of the church members didn't accept it very well. They were, they were used to the way that things had been, and it shook them up, and they didn't like it, and some of them left. Um, but what he said was I, there was no going back. There was no turning around. Once you realize that Christ is not this, this addition to your life and that this, this Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing, you can't, it's like, it's like the, uh, the Matrix. You can't go back once you've taken the red or blue, whatever pill it was. Like, you can't go back to seeing things the way it was. You can't just be ignorant anymore. And so when, when I get excited, when I feel the Spirit begin to stir in me, um, I, I begin to, to see and, and feel, honestly, that Christ is life, not just going through the motions to do it. And that is good. That's a good thing. And I hope that you feel that with me. <laughs> um, so as you are praying and as you are thinking about, you know, us and the church, uh, please let that be your forefront as far as how we operate in our giftings and how we move. Now, I will say this, too, that it's pretty neat to feel a cool breeze this morning. I don't know if y'all felt that. You know, I hate that it came with some rain, but whatever. It was good to feel a cool breeze. What that reminded me of is seasons, right? There are seasons that we go through. There was a season where, you know, years ago we kind of had a church split and people left, and then we had a church merge, and then seasons had changed. Well, now what do we do here? And then the season will... We want to make sure we have unity. We want to make sure people are loved and known. And then this season changes. Well, what direction we go? So I think that what's happening is in the physical, we can feel this cool air, right? We can feel a transition. We can feel the hurricanes because it's hurricane season. It's obvious at 3 a.m. I thought the house was going to blow over. Like you could, it's, it's real. It's very real. I think in the same way, when things begin to change um, as far as the direction that, that God has for us in the spirit, we can feel it. Um, and so I think, all of that to say, I know that's a lot to kind of take in, but that's what's been going on in my heart. Um, all that to say, I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know how soon this is going to start to to change and, and move. We're going to have people that are more gifted in 
um, in executing these things. I'll, I'll throw the visions out there and hope that someone can make sense of it. Um, not going to name any names, but hope, some, hope somehow we can, we can create something that's, that's good and beneficial for you guys because ultimately that's the only reason why we're here is to serve and to help the church. Um, real quick, before we transition into what I kind of want to talk about before we do the other thing, I just remembered uh, we need to pray uh, for Brett. Brett texted me this morning and said his crew is lifting something very heavy and very precarious. I don't know exactly what that means, but he was a little concerned about it. So if you will, part of this, we're going to pray for him. Um, Father, we just pray for Brett and the crew that he has at work. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, right now we know that your spirit knows no time and space, and I pray that you would give him wisdom and guidance and that his crew would be safe um, in what they're doing. Lord, whatever is going on, he seemed concerned with, and so I pray that you would give him rest and ease, um, that you have given him the gifting and the ability to lead his his guys and his crew to do this the way that, that they're supposed to do it, and it's going to go very well um, and smoother than he even expected, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, what I want to talk about is Jesus. <laughs> Big surprise. Uh, one of the things when you begin to evaluate, reevaluate church, we need to make sure we're centered on what we need to be centered on, and it's always going to be Jesus. Now, as we... Be careful how I say this. As we begin to understand and discover our giftings and y'all's giftings, those are all subject to Christ, right? Those things are, although important and can help us tremendously um, are not anything that that we should hold over other people's heads or act as though we've we've we're better than them i only say that as a caution because i've seen that happen in church settings inadvertently people will begin to feel like and treat other people differently because their giftings are different than their giftings or they're in a different place than the other person is so i kind of want to give you a little a little bit of you know preface there as far as how what I expect from you guys when because I it's exciting when you begin to feel the Holy Spirit move and see your giftings it's really fun and it's really cool but we need to remember that Jesus is always going to be the focus not us okay fair enough Jesus is the one that gives us these gifts so it's good to focus on the giver um, gifts are fun though they're real fun so I want to talk about we're going something that uh, you know I told you guys we've listed our house we're under contract we've got Monday is like this appraisal thing, and all this is new to us, another season for us. Um, I talked to uh, a few people yesterday about foundations and different things like that. And, you know, even in the conversation, I was talking to Nick about it, and Nick does this for a living, and he was like, you know, this is even biblical. You want a good foundation? I was like, yes. So we're talking about building a house and foundation. So I want to start, we're going to start very, very simply with a very, very strong foundation, and that is Christ. Um, The very foundation of what we believe and what we've talked about probably for the last year or two. Um, is about Christ living in and through us, right? So I want to get a really good picture of what that looks like before we move forward to anything else. Um, and I think a good place is in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 6. Um, because ultimately, our giftings are going to come from our identity in Christ. Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His, ne- of, of his grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. So you and I, when we're born again, we are accepted in the Beloved. You have a new identity, you are a new creation, the old self has passed away, and Christ has given you a new life in him. You are now a son or a daughter of your Father in heaven, which is God. Jesus is not opposed to his Father. God's not angry, and Jesus is like, hey, no, no, no. No, they are on the same page. God, God and Jesus are on the same. They're going in the same direction, okay? 
You are accepted in the beloved. Because of Christ, you are accepted, and it was God's plan from the beginning. You need to know that from, from right from the jump. God's not clenched fist just waiting for you to mess up and for Jesus to step out of the way to punch you in the face. That's not how God is. God's plan was to sacrifice his sons. God's, God's heart was that you would be accepted in the beloved. God gave himself and met you right where you were in the flesh so that you could be. We have to get that, that, that you are loved and you are, you are accepted in the beloved. Uh, uh, going on into Ephesians 5.25. Now, this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. He's not really switching gears here. He was uh, A little bit earlier, he was talking about communion, and he goes on to talk about husbands and wives. This is not, a, this is not about necessarily husbands and wives. He's using it as an example to demonstrate how God loves us. So I know we use this a lot for husbands and wives, and it applies to that, but it's a, that's a secondary thing. The primary thing is us as the church. We are the bride of Christ, right? And this is God and us. So we need to look at it from that perspective before we try to transition over to husbands and wives. So he's using it as something that we are familiar with. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might, rep- that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, what I heard a lot of preaching, especially about eschatology, and you better be, you better be right with God, you better not have a spot or blemish when he comes back. This is not what he's talking about. He says very clear, he's the one that does the washing. It doesn't say anything about us doing it. He says he's doing it to present you to himself. <laughs> he does all the work. We talked a few weeks ago about being yoked to Christ. He is the one that does the heavy lifting. He's the one that does the hard work. He's the one that has made it possible that you can be accepted in the beloved. He's not telling you to get everything worked out. He's saying he worked it out already so that you could, go, you could come to know him. He's done this. He's done all the, like I said, he's done all the heavy lifting. He's done this for you. And so he has created you in a way. You are the bride of Christ, the church, without spot or blemish because that's what, that's what his heart is and he made a way for it. He sits down at the right hand of the Father because his job is done. He said, it is finished. Not it's kind of finished. Not it's a little bit finished, but you need to do this. He said, it is finished. He did, the, he did the work that he was sent to do. It was completed. You are beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. This is a reflection of Jesus in and through us. So how are we made clean? You are washed in his word. John 15 says, the words I've spoken to you make you clean. Listen, the focus that we have on Christ changes our perspective and our focus on everything else that we do in our lives. One of the things that I love about Jesus when, when he, the Bible tells us he realized that all authority had been given to him in heaven and on earth, he steps down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And when he washes, when, when Peter comes in, he begins to wash his feet. And he's like, no, 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 you don't wash my feet because this was the dirtiest job you could possibly do. These guys were barefooted and they walked in dirt and poop whatever. And when they came in, you, you have to imagine they were coming in to eat. They didn't eat at a table like a high table like this. They ate at a low table, right? And they reclined. And when they reclined, they would fold over and they would rest on their elbow. Where do you think their feet were? They were close to the table and they were close to their neighbor who was reclining right here, right? Right there at your neighbor's plate. So think about the spiritual implications of the physical thing that Jesus was teaching them to do. When he tells me, he's like, look, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in me. And, and as most of us would do, we'd jump up and say, well, then wash everything, Jesus. You know, do. He's like, no, 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 you're missing the point here. You don't need to be. What Jesus was saying was like, no, 
You don't need, once your body's washed, you don't need to wash again, meaning you don't need to come give your life to Christ every Sunday. You don't need to re, you know, you don't have to keep doing this over and over again. It's once and done. Now, you do need to come as we meet every Sunday and we meet. Sometimes you do need to wash some things off. That's a completely different thing. Why? Because it's going to be right next to your neighbor, <laughs> right? His heart from the beginning and constantly told and taught and demonstrated to us is, I'm cleansing you so that you can help others to be cleansed. So what I'm giving you, he's saying, look, I, I get down here. I'm going to get down here. <laughs> Literally, I'm getting down here. But Jesus is saying, I'm getting down here and I'm going to wash your feet so that when you recline, your feet are going to be next to this other person. You're not going to offend them. You're not going to hurt them. They're going to, they're going to, you're, you're doing this to benefit them, not yourself, right? And you have to see that that's where my heart is. I want this. This is how my kingdom works. You know, this is not a job. This is what I want to do because I care enough about the person that's sitting next to you. Listen, people's feet stink. <laughs> people's attitudes stink, right? I mean, people, people can be real jerks. Do what? Yep. People... People that do build those walls, that, def- that, that put up that defense, 100% of the time that I've experienced it, are operating from a place of hurt. And when they build those walls, they're trying to protect themselves from being hurt again. If you try to tear those walls down, you're not, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. Those walls only come down from another place, and that's the Holy Spirit. One of the paramount things that I believe we as much as anybody else can have a tendency to neglect is the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge puffs up. Doesn't mean you don't need knowledge. Be smart. I'm not telling you not to study scripture. It's very important. These things aren't mutually exclusive. But be intelligent, be smart. But don't be smart so that you can show everybody how smart you are. In the same way, don't love so that you can show everybody how much you're loving people. There is, there is a, uh, I don't know what you would call this, a, a church, <laughs> what I've seen kind of a church arrogance that you're either anointed or you're gifted in a certain area and you begin to think that, um, you know, God's chosen you to do something very special, which he has all of us. But we, I, I'm, always, I'm always careful with that because what happens is if we begin to try to place our perceptions and our giftings on other people, they don't fit. One thing that the conversation that Paul White and I had, I was asking him what he thought this should look like, and he said, I don't know, and he said, I don't, and I don't think that it should look the same for every church. And I think he's right. I think that we are, we are a church of believers, we're a church, we're a body, and we function as a, a living organism, and we don't function the same way another church does necessarily, and there are things that we need that other churches may not need, and there are things that that another church needs that, that we may not. So that we operate in relationship with each other, and it's not such a blanket statement that we're just going to put this out there and everybody's going to be doing the same thing. This is part of the reason why I want to really focus on you guys individually and your giftings, because ultimately 
not as though I'm trying to use you like I was talking about, I'm not trying to use you so that you can do more stuff in church because that's kind of was the old mindset is, okay, find somebody that's gifted in these areas so we can plug them in somewhere and they can do stuff. I don't want y'all to do stuff to do stuff. I want you to operate in your giftings because it's fun. I mean, it is. When, when you find your gifting, when you begin to see what the Lord has for you and your personality, it clicks. It's like, hey, this works. Like we had a generator and it hadn't run in six years and I better put fuel in it and it ran. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> we have a little bit of electricity. Like this is the same way when you begin to operate in your, in your giftings, you're like, oh, I can do stuff. I can, I can do things and it's fun. It, it operates, it functions. We function, we operate. And what's cool is it's not so stressful anymore. You're not like, oh, I got to, you know, everybody always thinks, well, I've got to move to somewhere that's uncomfortable and do something that I don't want to do. Well, maybe, but probably not. <laughs> probably you just need to talk to your neighbor. And I'm not talking about your next door neighbor. I'm talking about the neighbor that is, you don't like <laughs> or your coworker or somebody else. There, there are areas where you're already planted, but you think for some reason God's got to uproot you and send you somewhere else for you to, to operate in your gifting and your calling. It's not true. Your calling is for you and God to be together forever. And if you're born again, that's already happened. So if you're confused about a decision you have to make, doesn't matter. He's going with you wherever you go. It's good to seek wise counsel, but at the same time, don't think that God's going to smite you because you went to the wrong college or you went... You know, you moved to the wrong city or you built the wrong house or whatever it is. God's not looking, God's not looking to, to bail on you. <laughs> but for some reason, that's what we thought. We thought we we're going to mess this thing up. Somehow I'm going to screw this up. Trust me, if you could have screwed it up, I would have already done it. <laughs> so y'all are safe. Um, I love the... Now, now, look at this in perspective. Not just about husbands and wives, although we can do that as a secondary thing. Let's look at this from from God to us, from Christ to us. This is the message version of that same scripture in Ephesians 25. It says, Husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. What he's saying is, he's done the very best for you. Ultimately, it's to his own benefit because he created you and he wanted reconciliation with you. So he gave his son so that we could be reconciled again. The whole holy and blameless thing was on him and he took care of it. The very foundation that we find ourselves on, before we can ever operate for other people, we have to know who we are and have confidence in that because if we, go, if we go outside these doors and begin to minister to people not knowing who we are and who God is and the very character of the heart of the Father, then we can you know, potentially kind of mess people up and slow their, their whole progress down. We don't want to do that. We want you guys to be confident in who you are and the identity that, that God has given you so that when we begin to do these things, we begin to operate in these areas, that you do have that confidence that you couldn't have on your own. Listen, where we are weak, he's made strong. I was very much an introvert for years. My mom's here, she could tell you. I was quiet for years. Didn't speak much. I was angry a lot for no reason. I don't know why. Well, I mean, there was probably some reasons, but I was just a little jerk sometimes. But <laughs> I was quiet, right? I, wasn't, I was very quiet. I didn't speak. I was very much an introvert. And I put a lot of emphasis on that for years until the Lord helped me discover that I, I, put too much, I put too much emphasis on my own personality not knowing that he can change it because <laughs> he created me, right? 
I don't know when it was, at some point I began to shift into being, if you want to call it, more of an extrovert, more of a social person. Um, and Tracy knows, I'm always like, she's like, I thought we were just going to go home and rest, and you invited like 12 people over here to eat. I was like, I don't just want people to be around, you know. I just want to hang out. I just, I like to be around people. I do. But that, that wasn't me back then. But it wasn't that I made this chart and this progress to change. God changed my heart, and then I just followed. That was it. God revealed to himself his heart, and then I said, okay, that fits. <laughs> like round, round peg, round hole. That fits. Square peg. You know, this works. This fits because it's, it's what we're designed to do. So when you begin to see the same things I hope that I saw, these things begin to fit and they fall into place and they are... Roll tight. All right. So <laughs> these things begin to work and they're for you. They're, they're just like it says, his words build us up and they bring beauty. They will, they will, they will lift you up. One of my, there were lots of really great moments at camp. One of my favorite moments was Courtney speaking uh, specifically to the young women. Uh, she spoke to everyone, but... I, I remember seeing a lot of the cards um, that she wrote, and she wrote some some very good scriptures. What? Oh, you were pointing. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really cool, and it was something that, you know, even our girls talked about, how, how much they really enjoyed it. And what that was was you hearing from the Father for them and then them receiving it, and the Holy Spirit's, like, standing up and saying, yes, this is who we are. It was like, hey... Um, one of my favorite things about when Mark would talk about sympathetic resonance, when there's two pianos, if there's a piano back there and a piano up here and you strike a chord on this piano, the chord over there, even though no one's around it, will begin to resonate, that same exact chord. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to operate in and through you. When you speak, you're not trying to like put somebody in the headlock and you know fight them theologically. You are just speaking truth that the very Creator has planted in them and you're drawing it out of them, Right? Something else that was difficult for me that took years that I hope to help you guys do, maybe you already do it much better than I did, was to see the best in people. That was hard for me because I saw a lot of bad people doing bad stuff that would take advantage of other people. And to be honest, I mean, my mom's laughing. My grandmother used to be, she thought everyone was trying to get over on her. Like, don't trust anybody. Like, it was all, it was, that was kind of the mindset that we kind of grew up around is everybody's trying to get over on you, which a lot of them were. Um, we, we lived in kind of a rough area, and everybody was trying to hustle. But the, the deeper truth was that even even all those people that were doing all that were, like we were just talking about, were operating from a place of hurt, and I wasn't looking at that. I was looking in a self-protection instead of looking for the Father to take care of that for me. And that's a completely different sermon about the difference in an orphan mindset and a, and a son, sonship mindset. But what I learned over the years in being a son um, of my Heavenly Father is that I can trust Him to take care of that stuff and I can love people right where they are. I don't, I don't have to fill myself up with acceptance and things from other people. It's still fun to be around people, but I already have that as a son. Now I can, I can reach out to other people and share that with other people and it splashes back on me, right? And it does the same thing with you. When you, when you get it and you give it to other people, it just it kicks back and you're like, oh, this is fun. This is good stuff. All right. You guys are the bride. What, what I'm talking about here, what I don't, we're not going to do, we're going to try not to do gimmicky, any kind of gimmicky things. This is going to be real. You guys are real. I want you to be real. This is a place where you can fall apart if you need to fall apart. Cry if you need to cry, laugh, dance, whatever. But all that to say, I want you guys to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I know that seems, yeah, of course we should. We should do that. But do we? Are we? 
And this is something I'm asking myself too. Am I listening? Am I genuinely hearing from the Holy Spirit in the direction that he wants me to go? Are you guys? Um, are you guys reading? Are you looking at your Bible and seeing um, or finding a version that you can actually get something out of? Because I know it's difficult sometimes if you don't understand and you're just getting into it. How, do, how, can, we, how can we help with that as a church? How can we help understanding, not just reading to read, marking off, oh, I did eight verses today, get my prayer closet, time to go. Not that. I'm talking about really understanding what we're reading, what the Lord is saying to us. Really understand, and understanding and talking to each other about the direction the Holy Spirit's leading because sometimes we need to check each other like, nope, that's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's have a conversation. So what we're going to do now, I went longer than I expected, but we still have a few minutes. What we're going to do now is kind of do that live. This is going to be a little practice, okay? Um, there were years that we came to this church, and there were people in this church that we never even really knew. And that's sad. We're not a really big church. And I'm telling you, we would sit on one side, and we'd never go to the other side for whatever reason. And it wasn't intentional. We didn't dislike anyone. But it was years, and, and then I think five or six years, we met a couple that we began to have a really good relationship and we'd be really good friends with that we never even knew and went to church with them for five or six years. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so part of this is going to be you guys hanging out and talking to each other. I know we do it on Sunday mornings most of the time for a short amount of time. We've got maybe five minutes. We're going to make the best of it. You guys roam about the cabin. Before we do, I'm going to pray, but you guys roam about the cabin. Um, I'll, I'll kind of dismiss this when we're done with it, but um, I want you guys to, to find somebody you don't know or maybe don't know very well. Um, I'll pray, and if you want to receive something, maybe want to say something encouraging. If you don't, don't make it awkward. You don't have to be all like, oh, you know, the Lord's telling me that, you know, you're going to go to Zimbabwe tomorrow, you know, unless he tells you that, then that's okay. But you can just, you can, you can simply say, you know, you are accepted in the beloved. You can give, you can give the, the simplest thing. I mean, if that's all you say, you were accepted in Christ. Christ loved Jesus loves you. And, you know, I do too. Whatever. Whatever. It, don't, it doesn't have to be weird unless you want You can make it weird, which is what I usually do, make it awkward. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to pray. Father, I just, Lord, I thank you for uh, just stirring in me um, just an excitement for ministry again, for, for me to see uh, what I feel like the direction that you want us to go and and. Um, to see the people and to see, Lord, you've, you've kind of highlighted several people to me um, that I already am beginning to see those tracks. And we talk about elders' tracks to find elders, but also giftings. You, you find tracks, you say, okay, these people are gifted in these areas because this is what they do, this is who they are. And so, Father, I pray that you will continue to reveal that um, to me, to the leadership in this church, and to each individual. Lord, I pray that you will give us peace um, with speaking to one another and getting to know one another. Lord, we are, we are designed from community to be in community, and so I pray that, that we, would, uh, we would just follow your leading right now in just having conversations with one another. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.